What is up, guys? Happy Tuesday. I'm Daniel. And I'm David. And welcome to the D&D Sports Show. We have a lot to cover. A lot happened this weekend, and we have a few upsets to cover. So we're going to kick it right off and start with the MLB uh, playoffs. So, so um, oh, yep. go ahead. As we were, uh, we talked about on Friday, we had a big game five, um, Tampa and New York in the uh, ALDS, and uh, kind of went as both of us predicted. But obviously, you came out on top with that prediction um, with the Rays picking up the the uh, victory. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good um, start from uh, Garrett Cole. He went uh, five and one third and had nine strikeouts, which his only blemish would be the home run he let up in the uh, fifth inning. However, Tampa took a different approach and decided just to do more of a, a win by committee. So Tyler Glasnow, who was the starter, got got to pitch two innings, and then they kind of just rotated in uh, a bullpen to help kind of relieve some of the pressure because it was, you know, it came right down to the wire, the eighth inning. That's when uh, the race struck for their second uh, run of the game, and Honestly, that's all they needed was two. They won the they won the game uh, two to one. So, but talking about pe- players that have just had a breakout uh, October, it would be Randy Arrazarino, uh, and he has just been playing hot baseball. He was in a former Cardinal in the farm organization, and they kind of traded him away, and uh, he's just showing what he can do now. Yeah, and, and like I said, with that, with that, we 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 transfer to uh, the other. Uh, we we uh, transfer to the next series rather um, with the uh, ALCS. Um, he's definitely come hot in the last two games. Um, uh, we're going to it looks like three for about three for eight. Um, you know, with a couple extra base hits. So I mean, he's definitely one of those surprise performers that you really didn't expect to uh, come through. And playoff time that's yeah he's still super young um i mean he didn't really do much during the regular season i mean he was modest with his stats but just something about this month he just started breaking out and he's been on the main uh you gotta play him he's just he's been playing out of his mind and i kind of wish he stayed with st louis at this time <laughs> yeah uh, obviously saying that now but uh, with that, with that being said, um, looking at this ALCS, we are uh, approaching Game Three tonight. Um, the first two games, both taken by Tampa, which uh, to almost all of the major league sports world uh, is is music to their ears because of the uh, Houston scandal of, of the years past. Um, but uh, like I said, it's just typical Rays Rays baseball. Um, the pitching coming through, limiting the damage, and and finding ways to just come out on top. And these aren't flashy games by any means. These are, you know, in the trench types of games where it's all about defense and playing one step ahead. Um, I mean, let's talk about game two for a second. One person changed the whole dynamic of the game, and that was Margot um, from his catch in right field. I don't know if you caught it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he flipped over right field fence to hitting the home run. I mean, Tampa is relying on it, a different player every night to perform. And it seems to be working instead of on Houston sides where you have to expect either Springer, Altuve, 
or even Carlos Correa, one of those three has to get hot, and they haven't had it yet. And, and with that being said, the one thing that I, I could see as a future weakness, um, say, to a team that comes in that has a little bit um, of a more solid uh, bullpen um, in a potential World Series battle would be the, the, the strikeout numbers. With uh, with a lot of the Rays, um, I know a lot of them have had you know two, two to three strikeouts per game, and that could just be something that comes back to bite them in the future, but it's just something to just keep a, keep an eye on. Yeah. And I mean, they won the game. They won game two, four, two, but only had four hits so that they're going to have to make contact with the ball. Like you just said, their strikeout numbers across the board are way too high to be playing this deep into a playoff series. And they are going to have to correct it if they want to continue on and move into the world series. Yeah. I will say what a, what a game for uh, Charlie Morton, right? Yeah, again, in the start. Yeah, talk about, you know, unexpected a little bit. Um, he let up five hits and one walk, which isn't bad. But let's talk about McCullers Jr., what he did as well. Seven I'm, innings, 11 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was on fire too. He just, a couple untimely um, pitches cost him the game. Yeah, and I mean, well, with with that being said, uh, it's just, it's just, it's very interesting to see these, you know, these not necessarily the big names in sports making the impact, and I think that's what makes what what makes baseball interesting is that it's really a, it, anybody can get hot any day, anybody can pitch a lights out game any day, and I think that's what's awesome about that. Right, it's the most unpredictable game of sports because one little thing can change everything. And it doesn't even have to be personnel type, you know, something on the field changes and, you know, it just, whether it hits the top of the fence and goes over, bounces back in, determining that as a home run or, you know, that could change the momentum or anything. So I think give it to Tampa for keeping their, uh, for continued riding hot, but we're going to see how long it lasts. They have to make the important corrections to their yeah. hitting and let it go. I agree. And with, with that being said, uh, kind of one of the bigger surprises uh, f- uh, of the evening um, during game two would, would be the other, on the other side uh, in the, the NLCS. The Dodgers uh, com- coming out kind of uh, slow uh, for their for uh, kind of their expectations. Um, thoughts on that? Um, I mean, we we talked about it last week about how the Dodgers were coming into a hot-hitting Braves who can beat you with the pitching. But now that their offense is finally coming to life, I think this is a very deadly team. And Walker Bueller, you know, he didn't have all of his stuff, but he pitched very well. It was that bullpen that kind of got them behind at the end. I mean, a four-run ninth inning, how often does that actually happen in playoffs? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's never anything that you really want want to happen i mean you want to be able to just throw your uh closer in there and just uh take care of business in the ninth and not have to worry about that um but with that being said i mean it, it was a good pitching matchup obviously until that that ninth inning it's kind of unexpected um the the outburst in the ninth inning but you know it's it's the people who you would expect um to come up you know i mean we've been talking about atlanta's pitching this postseason 
And, you know, in the past, it's always been their offense. And now their offense is clicking with their pitching. I mean, it's going to be a scary team if the, the Dodgers can't figure out a way to score some runs. And it doesn't help that their ace is scratched for game two today and they have to rely on somebody else. I mean, back spasms is what they're saying. Kershaw's a scratch for tonight. Uh, absolutely. It's going to be a very tough road for the Dodgers. Looking forward to watching that game here in a few hours, as well as the night game, Tampa versus Houston. Um, with that being said, though, we're going to flip it over. Um, we're going to take a brief look at uh, – what happened on Saturday and the wild, the wild weekend of uh, college football, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I would just like to say from the start that most of my predictions did not turn out the way I expected them to turn out. This was a crazy weekend. Do you remember when I said, when I asked you on Friday, how many points was it would score on LSU? And I said 14 points and I, I said 14. Well, you see here, I didn't expect that game to turn out the way it did. But no. LSU is just on a downward spiral now. And and yeah, and a lot of people are calling for the uh a lot of people are calling for some changes with that defense. Um trying to get a new defensive coordinator in there um cuz they don't have the offensive firepower to outscore people, but I mean what a what a wacky game. I mean, even when you throw 430 yards and four touchdowns in a losing effort, I mean, it, it, I mean, this is definitely not Miles Brennan's fault. Um, I mean, he did everything he could. So, with that being said, something's got to change there uh, in Baton Rouge uh, if this team wants to uh, rebound and try to make the SEC championship game. Um, and I mean, honestly, games across the board. A lot of good down-to-the-wire finishes. I mean, the Bama-Ole Miss game, you know, you see 63-48, you think um, it wasn't a great game. But that was one of the best games to watch of the weekend. Ole Miss took it to Bama, made, uh, made them dig deep for that win. And that's what I like to see out of these unranked teams, just trying to play and play spoiler. Yeah, and with that being said, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I was kind of talking with my family over the weekend about this. Um, but – uh, with Ole Miss being coached by Lane Kiffin, do you think the fact that he was under Saban for a few years that that had any effect on maybe knowing what def what the defense is being called, what off you know offensive tendencies, anything that could have given him a little bit of an advantage? I'm not saying like any he did anything wrong. I'm just saying that maybe that's why they played a little bit closer than most teams would. Yeah, I definitely think that he took that into consideration uh, when he was working out his game plan for the week. Because, I mean, once you're working that close with somebody, you kind of get to know their tells, their tendencies, what they're thinking. And I think it does help Lane Kiffin in this instance. However, I I think that team just showed up, to be 100% honest. They, they were hungry, you know, and they just they, – they clicked it together. But yes, I definitely think Lane Kiffin probably has some trade secrets of his that he likes to use when it comes to the saving. Yeah, absolutely. But let's just uh, fo focus on this game for just uh, one more second. But I mean, talk about a performance to to that. I mean, Najee Harris, two hundred six yards, five touchdowns on twenty three carries. I mean, talk about putting the team on your back. Um, Mac Jones with four hundred yards passing uh, again after I called him out last week or two weeks ago, and, uh, I mean, 
it's looking like this team is starting to click. And with the, with the fallout of uh, the game that we're getting ready to talk about, I mean, I think it's their SEC to lose. I agree. And another perspective to look at Mac Jones is his efficiency with his passes. I mean, 28 for 32, missing four passes and still throwing 400 yards. He's, you know, he took it to heart when they said, when everybody was talking about how we can't throw the ball. And he had to prove it. And I think he is now finally proving that this is his team. And it actually does help when you have Najee Harris on the backside. Absolutely. Taking I mean, the, taking the slack off you too. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at his, like, if he's, you look at his rate, his QBR for, for the year right now, I mean, he literally is over 200. Um, it's, it, I mean, he's definitely playing at a high level right now. Let's see what he can do against a really stout Georgia defense. Uh, this coming up week, and but we'll talk about that more on Friday. Um, but keeping it with the SEC, I know the biggest shocker of the day, I think, is Texas A&M uh, pulling it out in Florida. Uh, I know I said this Florida team was probably the best in the SEC. And, I mean, Texas A&M just took it to them. Um, I know that they got the the late score that kind of put it over the top, but, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a good game to watch. Yes, this is the one game I actually did not get to catch in. Uh, just looking over some of the reports that came in after, Kellen Mond played well. Uh, they were talking about how he looked precise in his passes. They were crisp. He was on it. Um, but this AM defense actually looks really good now. They didn't yeah, look I so mean, hot they, against Bama. They, they, they held around. Yeah, they had held Florida um, in check whenever it counted. Um, I mean, with that being said, I mean, Kyle Trask is still – I mean, he's still a, an elite, elite quarterback. Um, he got outplayed, and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a uphill battle for them to uh, make it in the uh, SEC. Um, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot um, with this next with next weekend's matchup against Georgia Alabama. Uh, I, I mean, I think Bama, Bama wins that game, but I think it's their SEC. Um, with all with how everybody else is kind of playing everybody else tough. Um, yeah, this SC, there's just a lot of good teams in the SEC right now, and the the standings are a little saturated with SEC since you know there's not many great teams playing right now. But I think uh, once the Big Ten starts playing next weekend, it'll start to kind of bring in some different uh, blood. We'll see how everyone starts playing each other. And this SEC might get some separation from each other at some point. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, going down the line with a few other games that we want to talk about, um, Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, Georgia kind of – I mean, it looked like at the start, I'm not going to lie, I thought Tennessee was back in that first half um, when they when – they, uh, were up. Um, obviously, that defense definitely helped them. Um, the, I mean, the defense is the reason why uh, Georgia wins this game. Um, but, I mean, especially with that late uh, fumble recovery, um, that we, they returned for a touchdown that made the score a little bit more lopsided than it actually was. But they just could not get any offense going in the first, uh, first half, really. Georgia couldn't. Um, got a late field goal. Other than that, I mean – this Georgia team, they started clicking in the second half. The, the like I said, when the defense is on, the offense follows. Um, 
when they when they control time of possession, I think the Georgia team is going to be dangerous, and they're going to have to control the time of possession, especially against Alabama. Um, but I don't know if you got to catch that game or not, but it was kind of a it, – it, it was looking like a Tennessee upset at the start. And I, I do agree. Tennessee looked good in the first half, and then they just kind of fell apart moving through the third into the fourth. But I do think if they can start, obviously – just by looking across the stat line, if they can close out games, I think this Tennessee team can play spoiler down the road and potentially move their way up into a playoff position. Yeah, I think that starts. Uh, I think that starts with the uh, with the play of uh, Garantano. I think that their quarterback has, you know, he put up some numbers. Uh, he he just he put up numbers whenever he, during the one drive uh, at towards the end of the um, first half, but he just did not come out and uh, he did not come out and play in the second half. And I think they kind of rides, they ride and die with him. Um, but with that being said, um, we also moved to the, we'll stay in the SEC real quick. Uh, we got, uh, one more game I want to cover. Um, my uh, my pick of the week was Arkansas against Auburn, and I just like to be state for the record that Auburn you got you got gifted one. I'm not gonna lie, you got gifted one. The referees gave you that one. Yeah, college football is so so different with their rules and using judgment of of a referee and not being able to overturn something like that. It creates for you know, dramas like this. I mean, Arkansas brought it to Auburn. They played extremely well. Uh, Felipe Franks, you know, 22 for 30, 318, four, four touchdowns. Like, you can't do much when you're playing against two opponents instead of one. Well, and not even just two opponents. I mean, the, the late, the, the late, um, I'd say the late start for the Arkansas, I think, had to do a lot with the uh, rain. Um, and the muggy conditions at the start of the game. So it took them a little bit to get going. And I know that that kind of um, was a cause for some issues um, as well on like the defensive end um, with like losing their footing. But um, I mean, yeah, I think that like this Arkansas team is, is right there. They're on the cusp of, I mean, they're literally so close to, you know, they're literally so close to being there. And I think this team also, I mean, if they play a team down the road, they could, if they're clicking, they could play spoiler as well. I can see that. Um, however, I, I think Bo Nix is, he's struggling right now. And this team is heavily relying on Tank Bigsby. And that's, not, he's going to have to carry this team through the next couple games until Bo Nix figures out what's going on. Yeah. Um, Tank Bigsby is definitely, definitely one of those guys who, if you give him 20-plus carries, he's going to get you over 100 yards. He's just he's just a difficult guy to stop. And uh, he's one of those guys where it's like, if you could stack the box and make Bo Nix beat you, I think you got a lot of a better, uh, a lot better chance to win that game. Um, one of the kind of surprising uh, games of the weekend that I want to talk about is, uh, is this Texas-Oklahoma shootout in OT. Um, a lot of people thought that Texas was going to uh, run away with this game, me especially. Uh, but, I mean, when it mattered most, uh, Spencer Radler stepped up, young uh, redshirt freshman quarterback for Oklahoma, and uh, found a way to will his team to victory. 
Yeah, I mean, the Selkwood team finally kind of stopped the bleeding and turned around what seemed to be the start of something really bad for their season. You know, getting upset two weeks in a row kind of tanks your ego a little bit, and they kind of just had to go back to playing football and just realize what they were good at. And I think they started to find it in this game. Um, you know, they came out hot, they came out hot, hot and heavy really fast. Um, and then they kind of just settled into their game. And yeah, it became a shootout because let's just say both defenses did not show up today. Um, and they just happened to be on the good side of a shootout. I mean, Sam Ellinger, 23 carries for 112 yards. How often do we see that from a quarterback, let alone? Yeah, I mean, he's – like I said, this, this game, uh, you know, Sam Sam Ellinger always plays well against Oklahoma. Um, he he always, he always plays – gives Texas a chance to win the games. So, usually the defense that fails to stop him in key points. But I would say the defense did hold them to scoreless in the fourth quarter, which is really huge. Um I mean, they, they did the job when they needed to. They gave them a chance to come back. I mean, who would have thought that in overtime that our kicker, uh, Texas' kicker, would get a field goal blocked, and then Oklahoma's kicker would follow that up with a missed field goal. Two of the most consistent kickers in college football right now, both missing a kick. Literally, they mentioned last year, last year he missed – or uh, last year Oklahoma's kicker literally made every field goal and PAT he made. And it's just – it's incredible that, like, like the game itself was just an instant classic. It's going to be talked about for a while. Um, obviously, I wish Texas was on the other side of things, but you know, uh, this just proves that nobody's coming out of the Big Twelve to go to the college football playoff. They they needed Texas to win in order for somebody to make the college football playoff. See, I think I think that's where you're wrong in Big Twelve action. I think Iowa State could be. We did talk about this Iowa State team and how their schedule really isn't top tier, I guess, is how I would say it. But the win against OU and they're continuing to win against tough teams. Uh, we'll see how they play this Oklahoma State next week, this seventh ranked. Once this game's over, I think this will determine whether or not Iowa State is actually going to play contender this year. Yeah, I think that this Oklahoma State team, I mean, on on paper, I mean, obviously the 3-0 um, I mean, they haven't played anyone yet. They played Kansas, West Virginia, and they barely beat West Virginia. And then they also barely beat Tulsa. So this this Oklahoma State team, I think, uh, I mean, they still have to play Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State. Like they still have the bulk of their their Big Twelve schedule left. So I think that this seventh ranked Oklahoma State team is kind of a little bit of a little bit of a Bluff ranking. stretch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. <clears throat> But yeah, I think I think honestly at this point, Texas is probably going to lose. Um, see, I don't know where they're going to get. Right. I guess I'd have to relook at the rankings for next week. But I think this Iowa State team is the best team to come out of the Big Twelve for, you know, late conference play into playoff contention. We'll look forward to watching it. Um, last one we need to talk about. Obviously, we need to talk about it because it involves a potential number one overall draft pick. Um, Clemson find a way to get it done against that stingy Miami defense um, in the uh, nightcap. But uh, I mean, it was pretty much it was all. I mean, it was all Clemson basically the whole game. 
a, a mediocre day for Trevor Lawrence, though, with three touchdowns. But Travis Etienne, I mean, I think he's the backbone of this Clemson team. I mean, 17 carries, two touchdowns, 150 yards. I mean, you really can't if, – if he's running like that and Trevor Lawrence is being efficient with the ball, I mean, I, this Clemson team's going to be competing for that championship again. I think this Clemson team is good at determining what's working for them early in every game and sticking with that. So if uh, Trevor Lawrence is having a mediocre uh, game, you know, you kind of see where uh, Travis is on running the ball. And if he's running the ball well, you just feed him. And I it worked this game, you know. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had 41 pass attempts as to where Travis had 17 carries. I mean, they just made it to where their rushing was so efficient. They didn't really have to continue passing the ball when they figured out this is what's working. And I think that's good on Clemson to determine if they're going to be able to pass the ball early in a game to switch it over to the run game and have that work for it. Yeah. And I mean, with the, with that being said, uh, the, the, this, this end of the, end of the season schedule i mean uh there's no reason that they shouldn't go undefeated the only game that on the schedule that i would like to circle um is uh that no- that notre dame at notre dame uh always going to play in south bend is a tough matchup for uh all the teams uh i know um i know that'll be a good matchup hopefully notre dame stays undefeated you could see a number one versus number like three matchup number uh with uh, Georgia and Alabama playing each other. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think that uh, after this performance, Travis Etienne definitely needs to be in consideration for the Heisman, though. I agree. And I think I say we give it two weeks. We let the Big Ten come in and play a couple of games before we take a really hard, uh, in-depth look at the Heisman race. But mm-hmm. I think you are correct. I think he is the front runner currently for the Heisman. Well, with that uh, wrapping up uh, Saturday's games, um, we move to Sunday's games, where I know a lot of a lot of it was a crazy weekend in uh, in in sports. Very unfortunate weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we start off with uh, we kick it off with the first game: um, Panthers at the Falcons. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, a good quality start with uh, 300 yards passing and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, Falcons, they fired Dan Quinn. They know that where they're going. In my opinion, they if the, if the course, it's going to be a fight between the Falcons and the Jets for who gets Trevor Lawrence. And I think, I think both teams essentially need that type of quarterback right out. Uh, Matt Ryan's just shown that he's aging and he's not as consistent and efficient as he used to be. And I mean, their rushing game is heavily relying on Todd Gurley and he has only shown up what two games this year, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he, he can only do so much. Um, with that being said, I, I think that the Falcons would be better off getting the second or third overall pick and getting a elite pass rusher or a uh, elite linebacker in the, in this draft, because I think that with, with all of, all of their issues, I don't think that offenses, I mean, obviously this game, they only scored 16 points, but I think in other games, the defense has really been the issue late in games. And I think that if they can get a shirt up pass rusher, who can get after the quarterback when they're, they have a lead and they can, he can get sacks. I think that's more important than a quarterback at this point. 
Because I, I think Matt Ryan has a, a few seasons left where he can be at least above average QB. Maybe not a game-changing QB, but at least above average. I, I get what you're saying, and I agree that their defense is just, I mean, blowing leads. This game, they they really didn't have a lead to mess with. But it was just kind of like you see them leading early into the games. And the biggest game I take for example is the Cowboys game um, when they were up 24 in the fourth quarter. And they just, they cannot close these games. They can't finish. And it's just, Atlanta should not be 0-5 if they actually had a defense because they would have, they were, they've had so many leads in so many games. It's, it's just, un, I don't want to watch these Atlanta Falcons play. That's for sure. They're going to have to figure something out. And hopefully with the firing of Dan Quinn, that, that does something to spark the team. And hopefully they can recover and win a few games here. Um, next on the, on the list was kind of the, I think, the surprise of, of the weekend. Um, we got uh, Las Vegas and the Chiefs. Um, Raiders, um, I mean, they've always been – I mean, they played everybody. They've played tough. I mean, they're legit – um, like their three and two record is definitely nothing to like cry about. Um, they finally got, uh, the running game kind of going. I mean, they had 144 yards on the ground. That was something that they couldn't do, um, against the, the bills and, uh, the Patriots. So it'll be very interesting to see how this, how this chiefs team bounces back. I know, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire had probably his worst game of the season with, uh, only 40 yards rushing. And I mean, a lot of it, I mean, Patrick Mahomes throws his first interception of the season. Um, it just wasn't a good game for the chiefs. I mean, they didn't go down quietly. They came back, scored, a, they had a chance, um, but credit this Raiders team. A lot of people did not have them in this game at all. I was very impressed watching the, uh, the Raiders pass rush, the way that they were getting through that offensive line of, um, Kansas City, and it's not easy to get through that offensive line, but the way they were doing it, they were keeping their pressure up, they were putting hands up to disrupt uh, footballs, and they finally worked for them when they got the interception on Mahomes at, at a crucial point in the game, too, in my opinion. But they were just, they were loud all game, they were in his face, and they really bottlenecked this running game. I mean... There's not much you when there's not much you can do when you're being uh, blitzed and rushed consistently and when, and it's not really Mahomes' fault. Yeah, he had a mediocre day, 22 for 43. But you got to give credit to this defense. They really brought this game to Mahomes. And this Ra- this Raiders team will definitely be um, definitely be one to watch um, coming up the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, they have another meeting with the Chiefs, so we'll see if Chiefs can get their revenge. Um, but they got a big game coming up against the Bucks, who are going to be very hungry for a victory. Um, I mean, the, 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 we'll, we'll talk about, or we talked about them last week, but this Bucks team has got to figure it out in the next two weeks. Um, they got to figure something out. And we're going to move on to what about this Cardinals team that was playing the Jets? I mean, this game looked rough early on and that all starts i mean (laughs) that all starts with the obvious point that this jets team is probably one of the worst teams that i can say that i've 
really been able to follow in my uh, sports watching career. Um, it's just it's tough to watch this team play. I mean, obviously they're without their starting quarterback, so that that it's in itself hurts. Joe Flacco. I don't get me wrong; he's okay quarterback, but he's not good enough to lead this team to win. Um, it really, this game was kind of a Cardinals pad setting game. Um, you know, I'm going to be talking all this smack and, you know, when, uh, whenever, uh, the, the, uh, bills go up there and play them in New York in two weeks, they're going to somehow find a way to upset us now that I'm talking all the smack, but I really do think that this Jets team is, is they have a chance to not win a game. I'm not even going to lie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this game, maybe that they could beat, uh, you know, they could play spoiler towards the end of the season against one of these, like maybe, maybe they could play the Rams or Browns late in the season, you know, kind of catch them off guard or, or, you know, if, 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 if Bill Belichick already has the wild card locked up, maybe they sit some of their starters that last week. I don't know. We'll see. Well, once again, DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions, 131 yards, one touchdown. I mean, this dude is unbelievable. Bill O'Brien. How did you let that man walk? How did you let that man walk? He got fired for it. I, I just, that's what I'm saying. He's at, he's at home. So he has time to watch this now. So how did, how? So many (laughs) questions about that coaching, but neither here nor there. Um, Steelers played the Eagles. I mean, I expected big Ben to come out on fire with this one. He, he played well. I'm not going to say great, but. Miles Sanders must have been watching the uh, Sunday podcast when I said he was the most overrated player because he did come out and he did manage to sc- score a few touchdowns finally. Um, I will say that that uh, he definitely he definitely came out. I mean, he had uh, like two receptions as well. So, I mean, was not 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 the best game, but, hey, at least he's actually showing up now. Helps my fa- Helps one of my fantasy teams out. So, But, I mean, let's talk about the receiving game for both teams. Um, Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool. Who, who are these people? Who? Yeah, who exactly that? my point. I mean, Travis Fulgham, 10 receptions, 152 yards, one touchdown. Chase Claypool, seven receptions, 110 yards, three touchdowns. And on top of that, he can add six yards with a rushing touchdown to his stat line. I mean, talk about coming out of really nowhere. Um, this guy... I mean, I had to look him up to figure out who he was. I mean, he's he's he was owned in like six point two percent of fantasy leagues, and th- I'm assuming those fantasy leagues are like where you can play like three receivers or you got like a 12, lot of bench 14, space. You, yeah. Well, that you have like twelve fourteen teams. teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he definitely came out of nowhere. And as all, I know that there's a lot of people who were waiting for Travis Fulgham to have this sort of game, um, because there was a lot of there was a lot of hype around him whenever he kind of came in. I mean, I know that he was a sixth-round draft pick, but I know that they expected a lot of him, especially with his damaged core. Um, like, almost all the receivers on the Eagles are hurt right now. Um, so I think they were really expecting him to step up and do good things, and I think he finally kind of stepped into that role. They still got to figure out something. I mean, this Eagles team, I mean, if they would have won, won today, I mean, they still would – I mean, they're one game out. You know, and especially with this, uh, the game that we'll talk about in a little bit, especially with the result of that game. I mean, sitting there at second place in the division, I mean, they're 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 sitting pretty comfortable, but they got to start clicking. 
they want to have a chance to win this division. Agreed. And we're going to go ahead. We're going to go right into this game. Might as well. Let's rip the bandaid off because I'm not happy about this. Giants-Cowboys game. Tragedy. Watching that go out like that. I that was that was definitely uh, I mean that was a gru- very gruesome injury. Um, it it was it's never good for like uh, honestly one of the top three in the MVP category um, to go down like that. And I mean I don't think that. With that being said, I think that when he went down, I think that Andy Dalton's able to come in and do enough obviously enough to win this win win this game but i think that this defense is still in a, at a point where you give up 34 points to the giants you didn't lose it you didn't lose a key player on defense you lost a key player on offense and yeah that hurts like time of possession wise like you know but i mean the red rocket he came out and uh he played well I'll he did he that. did he did enough to he did enough to uh win you guys the game We'll see how that translates to next week. You guys also, you guys have picked up uh, Garrett Gilbert um, uh, as your new backup. The Browns so, practice squad, yeah. yeah. Um, not that he's going to be competing for a starting job, but hey. No, and I it. think I think if we had any backup, I think Andy Dalton is a solid tier backup. Um, yeah, his past couple years in. Cincinnati did not go as well, but he has proven that he can win football games. And, you know, I'm still weary about this the rest of the season um, with the defense that's not playing well. Um, and now I really – I just don't know what to say to this. I mean, Prescott, his franchise tag for this year. They should have given him the money. I mean, this is just a detriment. And hopefully – he recovers quickly. He's out the rest of the season, obviously, but just for the rest for his career's sake, he needs to get healthy. Yeah, so it's tough, especially for. The, I mean, this is this is the division leading Cowboys, um, so you're gonna need uh, Andy Dalton to step up to the plate, though, um, to in order to prevent the damage but i wanted to shift real quick before we move on to the next game i want to shift over to the other side um of things and i know obviously with you being a cowboys fan you've you got to see a little bit of of this um this weekend but kind of the surprise i would say is the reemergence. uh i mean to an extent the reemergence of devonta freeman i mean he has played three games uh he was kind of shut out you know um to an extent in his first few games when he's still getting back into things but, I mean, from what I could see is I'm kind of surprised that he is doing what he's doing. I mean, especially with that offensive line. I mean, that offensive line's terrible. I, just watching Daniel Dimes run uh, – Danny Dimes run all over the field trying to throw the ball. But um, – I would say watching the game on Sunday, he looks like he has his legs back. I mean, you could tell by the first few games he was kind of – not struggling, but trying to figure out what he needed to do to get back to where he was. And I think he started to figure it out and he got back his full head of steam. He was running through defenders. He was cutting like the old Devontae Freeman from Atlanta. And I think we're going to see good things from him this year instead of 
Saquon. Yeah, and that's also an unfortunate situation, which uh, the Giants are in. So I look forward to seeing how this division plays out. Obviously, like I said, the joke is right now that they're the NFC least. Um, and it just got worse because their best player, um, in my opinion, got hurt this weekend. Um, so, but we're going to keep it, we'll go ahead and keep it in the, in the division. And we'll talk about the other team who had to replace a quarterback, um, this time, not for injury reason, but, um, we'll talk about the old football team. <sighs> I'm going to be the first one to say it. I, I love the, the comeback story of, of Alex Smith, but I will say right now for on, you know, on, on the live that, I was wrong. Uh, this team is not going to be a playoff team with Alex Smith. Uh, I'm going to read you a few stats right here. Um, so excluding his drive in which he scored a field goal at the end of the first half. So we're taking that out of account. The second half drives for the football team, negative 10 yards, one yard, negative five yards, eight yards, negative five yards, Negative two yards, seven yards. Uh, while I love Alex Smith, and I know that a lot of it's going to be, you know, it, he, he literally came back from a really gruesome injury. I mean, there was literally no offense in the second half. I mean, Kyle Allen left in the and and the midway through the second quarter and still led the team in passing with seventy four yards. I love Alex Smith, and everybody's probably going to vote for him for comeback player of the year but I'm going to be the first one to say it. I don't think he deserves – well, I mean, he deserves comeback player of the year, but he doesn't deserve it for his on-the-field play. It's for how far he came to come back. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I think this was a rough first outing, obviously. But he was sacked six times for 31 yards, and he was playing a stellar Rams defense. I mean, normal most normal quarterbacks who start a game – barely finished with 150, 200 yards passing against the Rams defense. I think there is so much to this game. I think he took the right first step. Nine for 17, I mean, okay. He didn't have a good day. But I think he's going to be trending to the, not the old Alex Smith, but I think he will find a middle ground and start performing at least to a degree of what, maybe a third of what he was. My, that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see that, but like I, I was saying, I was just uh, re- retracting my statement that I think that they could have won this division with Alex Smith if he would have started from, I think from week a, one. I think there's a possibility they could. Uh, I mean, this division is literally a crapshoot at this point. Like, we don't know who's going to win. Uh, I know that Gibbs, Antonio Gibson is going to have to have more than 27 rushing yards for this team to start winning games, though, as well. They also need a good backup for him. And J.D. McKissick really doesn't fit that bill right now. I, I mean, yeah, they... he, he, led the, he led the team in receiving yards, uh, just to put that in perspective. They got to find something, somebody – they got to find a lot down there. I mean, only 108 yards, that's not going to win you any game. Um, so, with that being said, we will move away from the NFC least. Um, Finally. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we should just jump over to the uh, to the AFC, um, back over to the AFC and talk about this uh, Cleveland Indi- Indianapolis game. This was a an interesting game. I I enjoyed this watching this game. 
Um, we saw Kareem Hunt, you know, run the ball. He's, I mean, he's the workhorse in this backfield now. Uh, Darren S. Johnson had some, uh, kind of had a good, decent coming out party last week. Uh, took some carries away from uh, Kareem Hunt and showed that he will be able somewhere down the line be this team's sole backfield presence. And what a day for the receiving core of Cleveland. Baker decided to spread the love around, and it worked. He wasn't solely dependent on Jarvis Landry or Odell. He got Austin Hooper in the mix. Uh, Rashad Higgins got some catches. And this team, honestly, looks like a team to be careful when you play. They started, they started, they got whacked by Baltimore. But since that game, they have turned it around and we'll see where that takes them. Yeah. And I think this is a testament. Um, I think two really costly interceptions for Phil Rivers. Um, I think it's definitely showing that they may not have been completely. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he is definitely capable of leading this team to victory, especially with that defense. But uh, I think that this this uh, Cleveland team kind of proved uh, found the holes in the defense um, because I mean talk about being efficient uh, Baker you know he did have the two interceptions but I think that Baker is showing that you know starting to grow into the quarterback that they thought that he was whenever they drafted him and Jarvis and Odell are starting to play like. They were why they were brought there. And I think that if they can kind of fine tune their defense a little bit and just make sure that, you know, against good teams, they don't give up a lot of points and they can hold leads. I think this is a dangerous team. And I think they could give, you know, the Steelers and the Ravens a uh, run for their money. That division is turning out to be the best division in football right now. And it's very surprising. When, I mean, even Cincinnati is not playing terrible. Um, it just happened that they ran into Baltimore this week, but I think we're going to, uh, yeah, let's, we're going to switch over to talk about this, um, interesting Baltimore game. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot, there's not much to really be said about this game. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I don't know how to how I should even go about starting to talk about this game. I'll let Honestly, you start. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, all you Joe Burrow fanatics, this is just this is an outlier game for him. Um, he hasn't really played against a really really talented defense yet, and I think he just. Ran into one this week, and he didn't have a good week. It's going to happen. It's still very early in his career. This team is not a great team. I think they still have a couple, two-ish years maybe, to start becoming a contender. They're not going to contend this year, especially in, in a division that is so good between three teams. I just – yeah. This that's, is a rebuilding year, too. That, that's tough for them. I mean, they obviously have uh, – they're in one of the toughest divisions right now, especially as far as record. Um, and 
with that being said, I mean, yeah, it was definitely a, a, an off day for Joe, but I think a lot of it falls on the rest of the team. Um, they got to find a way to produce offense when Joe Mixon can't get going. Um, it's just one of those, it's one of those unfortunate things. And I mean, to be fair, this Baltimore offense did not look good this week either. Um, this was just a Baltimore defense dominant game. Seven sacks, you know, two pat downs, 15 hits on Joe Burrow. And I mean, two touchdowns that were costly because of one interception and a fumble. I mean, this defense made this game. And, you know, I guess we don't really have to talk about the offense that much when the defense plays this well. But Lamar Jackson had 180 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception with a QBR of 64. He's, you know, I think he's needs to, he was coming back from that injury a little bit, um, maybe a little shaky still, but between this and the, this rushing for this game, I don't know. Baltimore's not looking good on one side of the ball. Yeah. And I mean, in this, in the AFC, a lot of teams that we thought were going to come out and dominate kind of came off a little bit slow this season. And a lot of it has to do with everything. But I will tell you one team that I I definitely misjudged um, to this point is this this is this Miami Dolphins team and and they have played every game they've played has been relatively close. Obviously, they have the win against the Jaguars and an injured 49ers team. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean they were one possession uh, away from beating the uh, the Bills. Uh, and I mean, this team is definitely. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. I mean, for a career journeyman, he just never ceases to amaze me uh, with his performance week in and week out. I was really impressed with him this week. Um, you know, Ryan Fitz magic. Let's, just, let's see how much magic he works into this Miami team. I mean, Preston Williams had a show out of a game. Four receptions, 106 yards, one touchdown. I mean... When you have a game where Devontae Parker only has two receptions and 50 yards, you get to see these these uh, these players like Preston Williams, Mike Jacecki, even Matt Breida. Look at what they can do when they have a good quarterback in front of them. I think, I think this Miami team is for real, and this they could, they might be able to take this division away from. Minus the Bills. I mean, they're they're playing for a while. They're playing for second place in this division currently. But I think if the Bills have a couple bad weeks, I think they might be able to slide in. And I think that with this Dolphins team, I, I'm not exactly sure how far that they will be able to go, especially with the schedule that they have remaining. Um, they, they still have to play L.A. and Arizona and Kansas City. I mean... New England, the Raiders, which the Raiders look like a good team, and then they ended out in Buffalo. Do I think that they're going to make the playoffs? No. Do I think they can still salvage a season where they win six to seven games? Yes. And I think that the important thing here is that Fitzpatrick stays healthy throughout this year because I think in order for Tua to properly develop, I think Fitzpatrick needs to keep going. They need to keep winning a few games. Then in the draft, they can start kind of building the team around the future of, of like getting weapons for Tua or getting protection for Tua. And I think that this team 
will definitely be one that will be competing in that division for the next two years. Um, but I think that with like with the current state of the team, I don't know if they're going to make a playoff run, but I do think that they will win five, six games. I can see where you're going with that. However, let's let's switch over to the other team, um, and we're going to play a game. We're going to say who's that quarterback because I don't know what quarterback's ever going to actually play a full game in San Francisco at this point. Um, Jimmy G got the start, was benched, and C.J. Bathard came in and kind of looks like that's who should be starting for this team right at this point. I mean – Jimmy G looked awful coming back from injury today. And I just, I don't know how good he's actually going to be this season. In this division, they're going to have to figure out what exactly the game plan is. Um, and they're going to have to run with it. I think a lot of the reason why CJ Beathard struggled in, in this game, you know, with efficiency wise is that he probably didn't get the, uh, when they found out Jimmy G was coming back, I'm assuming Jimmy G got most of the first team reps. Um, but I think that, I think that this team, uh, it really, really thrives off their defense. And I think with all the losses on defense, that it's going to be tough for this team to turn it around. Um, especially with the fact that they are, 0-3 this year at home, which is incredible um, for a team that last year I think only lost one game at home. And it's just one of those things where it's like they're going to have to turn around quickly, especially in that division with the Rams and the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks have a very skeptical defense, which we'll talk about them here in just a minute. But that Rams team is is definitely no joke. And I just think between those two teams and even this Cardinals team, I mean, this Cardinals team can beat, beat anybody if they're clicking. So I think that they're going to have to turn their, the right to ship if they want to make another playoff run this year. Yeah, I just – I don't see them making – I don't see them making the playoffs, especially in such a talented division, let alone conference. They're going to have to pull so, – they're going to have to have some magic to make it there because this defense does not look good either. Yeah. Uh well let's uh let's flop over to the other other uh conference real quick. We got two more games to cover um or uh three more games to cover, excuse me. Uh so we'll we'll start with we'll just talk briefly the uh the post Bill O'Brien era is 1 and 0. Um obviously they got to play a Jaguars team who hasn't really found their identity yet. Um I mean this Jaguars team it's going to be tough it's a tough road obviously with their uh with their schedule and they're playing in a pretty good division. Um, this Texans team's no joke. Um, I hope that they start figuring it out. Um, I saw a statistic that was pretty funny during the game um, that um, for the first time this decade, um, Romeo uh, Romeo Cronell uh, threw a uh, or took a timeout. He was allowed to take timeout because he's always been a, a coordinator um, mm-hmm. since he was uh, last a head coach, and uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, this Houston team, uh, they have a chance to right the ship here. I mean, they got the, a banged-up Titans team, or not a banged-up, a sick Titans team, I guess. Um, then they got a, a tough game against Packers, but that's at least at home. And then you have uh, the Jaguars again. So, I mean, if there's ever time to get hot, win a few games, you know, taking two out of three uh, would definitely not hurt your uh, chances to kind of salvage this season. And I think – I think they they figured out how they want to move forward the rest of the season in Houston. Um, 
Brandon Cooks, eight receptions, 161 yards. We haven't seen really numbers like that from this team yet. Uh, and Deshaun Watson looked very good. I mean, you you saw him get the ball, some deep throws. We saw him uh, throw some slant routes, some, some goes. But it was just overall, I really think they kind of figured it out. They It clicked in their head. I mean, we haven't seen David Johnson running the ball fairly well this season yet. And, I mean, 17 carries, 96 yards. It's it's not 100 rushing yards, but it's right there. I think I think they are on the cusp of figuring out their running game with this offensive line. And their defense is still good. You can't sleep on this defense yet. Yeah, and uh, that kind of that kind of you talking about defense um, kind of leads into my next the next game there or the the last Sunday game that we're going to talk about. Um, you got this the Seahawks team that really kind of looked down and out in the first half, down thirteen nothing, uh, finding a way to come back against the Vikings. This Vikings team, you know, has just been not living up to the hype um in that especially in that division um that has two really hot teams and one team that has lost a lot of close games that could could very well beat any team any day um i I mean the seahawks team the defense is kind of bending but not breaking i mean it's gonna be the reason that they lose close games but so far they've been able to find a way to win close games and it's they're all becoming these final drives for Seattle, and that is what Russell Wilson thrives off of. You cannot be giving the ball to Russell Wilson late in the game with enough time. He will burn you, and he's been showing it week after week. But this, they have to find some answers on defense. If they want to play good playoff football, they're going to have to have a defense to show up to games. And because once we get later on, these teams are going to start grinding and they're not going to have these high flashy offensive games. I think they kind of, I think Seattle got lucky this weekend. Minnesota just couldn't close the game out in the fourth. They gave the ball. They scored two early late in the fourth quarter and gave Seattle enough time to bring the ball back down. Mm-hmm. And That's- with that, like speaking, speaking like that, um, with, uh, you know, giving your chance, to, uh, eight, your team, a chance to win. Um, this, the, I thought we were about to have the first fourth quarter comeback in, uh, a young Justin Herbert's career, uh, last night, but, uh, unfortunately it was not game. in the cards. I mean, Badgley, I mean, if that thing's two inches to the left, that's going to boink in. This was a great game for Justin Herbert. I mean, there's this this New Orleans team has been really spotty and streaky this season, but with the emergence of Justin Jackson overshadowing Josh Kelly this week, Justin Herbert made this game all for LA, and I think it just happened to be an unfortunate circumstance in the fourth quarter. I mean, that close on that kick, and uh, we're talking about a different story here. Um, he's 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 shown that he can uh, he can control the game. Um, he's, he, I mean, four touchdowns, huge night. Um, but I mean, I don't want to, but I don't want to say anything, but 
I mean, you got to blame this one on the kicker, especially. I mean, we got what the missed PAT to start the game off, and then the missed extra or missed field goal uh, to win the game. I mean, this one definitely can't fall on the Chargers. No, and it 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 definitely falls on uh, kicking, but it's just you know you hit that PAT early on, you hit that field goal. We don't we don't even go. I mean, yeah, they have to go then. Then you know, think about it in the fourth quarter with 52 seconds left. You give your defense a chance to stop them because they have to go for two, um, exactly. instead of just kicking the extra point. Um, but that kind of we're gonna use that kind of as the the rolling uh, for tonight's game. Uh, we're gonna re- briefly briefly talk about it. Oh no, go ahead, finish for your statement. I do want to touch about something else about this game that really bothers me. Okay, let's talk about it. The Michael Thomas situation in in New Orleans currently getting benched this game for talking back to Sean Payton and the coaching staff and then getting in a altercation with another player. Do you think that this game would have been any different had Michael Thomas been in the game? I mean, I don't think it would have been as close. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a good number two receiver, but I don't think he's a number one that, I mean, obviously 12 receptions. He was, he was, he performed, um, when he needed to, but I think that a lot of it that fell on, um, um, a lot of that fell on, uh, Michael Thomas. And I think a lot of it was frustration about not being able to play and, uh, not being able to perform at a high level, um, with the injury that he's had. And I think that if they sit him down, let him cool off for a week or two and then bring him back, I think he'll be ready to play. And, I don't think it'll be a huge issue in the future, but we'll just we'll just have to see. This is something I want to keep an I do want to keep an eye on this situation because this could be maybe the way Michael Thomas gets out of New Orleans if if he starts if he keeps this kind of petty drama type going. Yeah, especially if this team if this team starts to skid at all. Um, in my opinion, if I was the GM of the Saints, I would definitely look to try to ship him to a team who's going to compete this year and possibly get some draft capital or maybe some younger players that can develop because you're going to have to look at the future. Cause I mean, you're at the top, if not the top of breezes Hill. So it's, you're going to have to find the future. And I don't, obviously Taysom Hill is not the future. And I don't think that Jameis Winston is the future. And if you think Jameis Winston is the future, then by all means build around him, but you got to start putting some pieces together for him. I agree. And right now, Michael Thomas is still trending high for value, um, despite having this injury in only 4.7 uh, yards in his for, in game one of this season. So I, I think right now this might be kind of – we're just going to have to take uh, – keep an eye on this situation moving yeah. forward in this season. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, one more thing I want to mention, kind of, a, kind of a lackluster day for Alvin Kamara uh, – in terms of uh, rushing yards, but that's something to kind of look forward to because I do think that at, the team goes as he goes. If he can pull out 100 yards, um, I think this team is going to win a lot of games. It kind of takes the pressure off of Drew Brees because I think that Drew Brees is throwing the ball a lot, and I think that when he has to throw a lot, this team kind of is a, di- is a whole different uh, – it's kind of a whole different monster. So it'll be interesting to see this team, how they go. I mean, their division's very winnable right now um, with the Bucks struggling as of late. So it'll be interesting to see how this, how this goes down. I agree. Um, but what about football on Tuesday? Something we don't get to see. Every oh, day. you mean Tuesday night football? 
Cue the, oh. <laughs> cue the Tuesday night football intro. We got to start a new music, Tuesday music intro. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm curious. What are they going to do? They're going to have like, they're going to have, uh, I don't even know who they'd have to do it on Tuesday night. But weird. It's just but. weird. It's just a weird situation. Um, Like with this, uh, we're going to have to talk about the schedule changes with this Tuesday night. Um, uh, Tuesday night, Bills, Titans. Um. Battle of the Undefeateds. Um, curious to see at who is eligible to play for the uh, Titans. I know that uh, it's looking like they have a couple of key starters uh, um, out, but I think that most of most, if not all of them, have been cleared to play. Um, I think the only people who are out are uh, AJ Brown. And Taylor Luan, those are both those are both uh, questionable, but I do think that um, that he will be able to play or he'll be available to play. But it'll just be like circumstances of how much that AJ Brown plays. Yeah, I I think they'll, they'll both end up. Playing I think that. they're gonna. Well, I think if they're going to take it, if they're going to, they're gonna be more cautious towards AJ Brown because. It, um. They don't want to rush him back and him potentially get hurt worse in his game back um, with him having to be that number one receiver in Tennessee currently, I think. But I do think uh, Davis is coming out, having himself a nice breakout season so far. So I think with him performing well, they don't need to rely on A.J. Brown getting back quick quickly. Yeah, and on the other side of things, I think that uh, kind of a, bi- a bigger news is like uh, as Matt Milano is uh, obviously he's he's back out on the injury report. Um, the huge uh, that's a huge loss for them uh, at the outside linebacker position. And then I think uh, kind of a a big loss that not a lot of people are talking about uh, is, is or well it could be a loss, but I think Tre'Davious White is listed as questionable. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily push him. Uh, to actually play but that's definitely something that you have to watch yeah and this injury report is not updated for the bills so we will see in a few hours what they decided how they decided to proceed with some of these people i know they were saying um tredavious white's injury was not as bad as they originally thought it would be so we'll see i think he will probably play tonight um the only person you really need to look look out for is cody ford whether or not he plays as well he is a big piece of that uh offensive line yeah, and I think this will be a good game. Um, I do think that um, I think that the Bills will take care of business. I think they have a really, really, really talented passing attack um, that will just tear apart this Tennessee defense and this Tennessee defense or this Tennessee team. You have to remember they didn't play last week um, because of the uh, outbreak, and they also um, have only won their first games by game-winning field goals. So I think that if it comes down to this. I don't think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be kind of a kind of a one-sided affair, but we'll see how it goes tonight. I don't I do I do think the the Bills should take this game. Like you just touched on, this Tennessee team is 3 and 0 by 3 points total. So, I mean, all these close games, they haven't really been high-scoring games either. Um, they have not scored over 20 points yet in a game. So I think if the Bills put up at least 21 points, I think they will take this game easily. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so let's shift over for uh, 
from the uh, the turf to the uh, to the hardwood. Um, I mean, kind of the result that everybody was anticipating coming into this bubble. Um, I think not necessarily the teams that we thought were going to be in the finals, but uh, the Lakers taking care of business against Miami. I mean, this this was just the nail in the coffin. I mean, Jimmy Butler had did not have a good game. Um, Crowder didn't have a good game. Duncan Robinson didn't have a good game for all playing 30 minutes plus. I mean, Bam had a good game. Bam almost had a triple-double. I mean, that's something Bam doesn't do. And he wanted, he wanted to get, get this game to game seven, but he didn't have the help on his side. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, even if even if Jimmy finds a way to – I mean, if he could have dropped 25, this would have been an overtime game. Uh, I think Jimmy really – I think they kind of realized how important that Jimmy was to their team because I, th- I think that, you know, they forced him to kind of make some poor decisions. I think Tyler Hero made some bad turnovers when um, in key situations like during the, the first half. Um, whenever they were trying to come back. And, I mean, anytime you get outscored by 20 points in a quarter, I mean, that second quarter, the 36-16, to 16, um, I think you kind of knew at that point that it was pretty well over. But, I mean, it, yes. And the, even you take that second quarter out, that fourth quarter really brought them back. And that, that's a lot of that's weighted, um, you know, a lot of it, like – I mean, when you when you starters, go into that quarter, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, the starters probably. I mean, I don't think they played. I mean, you got um, Rondo normally played thirty yeah. minutes, yeah, yeah. But uh, James gets his fourth Finals MVP. We kind of both agreed that he was going to get it, but I don't. I mean, I, necessarily... I think I think his performance in the last two games cemented it for him. I think that when we talked about this last, I think that he needed a huge performance. And he, I mean, he scored 40 points, 40-point point triple-double yeah. and a loss. And then he also, I mean, he had 28 in the clincher. So I think that when it came down to it and to clinch it out, I mean, he outperformed AD. So I think he did deserve it ultimately in the end. And I just think, and people who say Lakers don't get to the, don't win this cup this uh championship without lebron do you think that's a valid statement at this point now that we can look back hindsight 2020 so if if, yeah if if i look back and like especially if we're going most valuable player being the most valuable player like as in your team would not win without them i think that lebron james 1000 percent gets mvp of, of of it because without him this team does not touch the finals I don't think they would make it past the Nuggets for sure. Um, I don't think that it, like if they would play the same teams and everything would fall the same way, like they get the same record without him. I don't think that they would beat them. Uh, I ju- I just don't I just don't see them. I mean, I could honestly see them. Yeah, I just don't see them beating the Nuggets. Okay. Um. It'd just I be get, interesting, you know. I, I with yeah. with how how everything kind of laid out. I just I don't know if they would even without without LeBron. I don't even know if they would have made it out of the first round. Really, I'm not even lying. Like they could have they could have very well 
they could have very well lost in that first series. I mean, LeBron led them in scoring in that that series. I don't know. It, it's it's tough to tell. You can't you can't like go back in time and be like, yeah, right. what happened. But this just goes to show you how one person is so important to a franchise at all. Um, do you, so are not our very early 2021 season picks Lakers repeat. Um, I think that all depends on how the, the off season goes. Um, I think that they need to get some younger players on the bench or who have been like, not necessarily like young, younger, but I think that they need to find, um, some depth that that isn't necessarily aging like because the other core is obviously aging um they have like real rondos getting up there um so i think that if they can find a few more younger pieces to just like kind of just like plug in i think that this team has a chance to repeat but i definitely think that this i I mean this miami heat team is going to be a scary team to play against in the next few years um so no 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 disrespect to them um but I do, I, I do think that the Lakers will, will, will find a way to make it back. Do I think that they'll win? I don't know. I could definitely see them making the conference championship, but I don't know if they'll win at all. That's right. I mean, there's so many good teams out there, um, and some that just didn't get to make the playoffs because of early game performance or early season performance. I mean, Phoenix Suns, exactly. justice, justice, I mean, justice for Devin Booker. He came into this bubble and played phenomenally, and they just had such a poor showing early on in the season that they couldn't get it. They couldn't move. Yep. And uh, we'll set, talk about one more thing with the NBA before we uh, switch over. But where do, where do you think Giannis ends up? Because I don't think he'll finish his career with the, my, with uh, Milwaukee. Oh, let's see. Giannis, I – Honestly, he could either I think maybe New York. I think he might be a net or a warrior. I think if he wants to compete. So you think he'll go to Brooklyn? You think he'll go to Brooklyn? And you think he'll pair up with Kyrie and KD? I mean just just imagine that team. You thought you thought Golden State was bad. Now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further than you, and I'm gonna say that he's gonna join a a winner and a proven winner, and I think that 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 he is the finishing puzzle piece to this Miami Heat's next dynasty, and I think he goes to the Heat. Wow! I think it'll be him, Jimmy Butler, and Hero, Bam. I think it'll be the. I think that's gonna be the next Miami Super Team. I could see it, but I, I, I do think he stays um, East Coast. I think he will stay in that conference. Um, so you so know. you think that he'll stay in the he East? He stays in the East, yeah. I, I, looking at this easy, like, base, basic decision, the East is easier to – play in than the West. And I think he will choose that kind of route. But I think once again he could 
end up in New York, still playing in the East. Miami, playing in the East, I think. It works for him. Yeah, and I think that with the you know with the East kind of being called the you know easier easier conference. I mean, I think that's part of part of the reason why I think that I could see him go going to the Heat is because I mean he is in the East, and I mean that's his like I mean who else, who's going to stop him? I mean the Bucks were supposed to be the favorite in the East, and they couldn't even win in a down year, what everybody was saying in the East. Right. Well, we're going to go ahead and shift, um, shift, uh, to another one of the, the questions that, uh, gets brought up to me a lot, but specifically it got brought up by, um, Matt Gibbons from Cape Girardeau. But with this victory by LeBron, how, much closer or do you give him the nod in the goat category Mm. oh god um see this is it's such a hard comparison because these obviously jordan played in a different era with where Mm -hmm. it was just i don't want to say harder to play i think the defense was a little bit more there I'm not saying defense is soft nowadays, but it's a lot easier to score more points mm-hmm. in this day and age. I think I think he's got to get at least six to even compare. I I think with the the fact that he's been there with three different teams. Granted, one of them was a super team, and one of them he joined or he got AD to join him, and he couldn't even he couldn't make the playoffs, even though he was hurt last season. So I don't really want to knock him for that. Cause he was hurt like 50% of the season. So obviously he couldn't lead the team, but if you look at it, people always skip over very important facts for Jordan. The, the fact that he got beat by, like he, he's gotten beat so many times in early rounds of the playoffs. And the fact that LeBron excluding last year, take it away. He's literally been to ev- like the every finals in the last, like what almost decade. Like right. he's doing something that we never have seen before. And I think that in their both and their, uh, in their own right, they're both the goat. So I don't really think that you can necessarily call it. I think honestly, it's not, they're not the greatest of all time, but I think that I would want to change the, you know, kind of the, the, the question sort of. And I want to say that obviously Michael Jordan is the greatest shooting guard of all time. And I think that he just kind of cemented himself as the greatest small forward of all time. Uh, LeBron did, and I think that that he's just proven that he's he's done that. I yeah I get, I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, and yes, LeBron will go down as one of the best for small forwards of all time, if not the best. I think we he has earned it, he deserves it. But I more or less say that. Besides Co- excluding Kobe, he is the best player that I have witnessed play. I didn't watch, you know, I don't say Jordan's second effort in Washington was anything to write home about, but he is the, basically, Jordan handed the torch down to LeBron. And I think they are both 
the best players in their time. And I think yes. it's hard to just, it's hard to compare because too much time has passed from that play to this play. Yeah. And I think with like the, 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 the evolution of the game, I think a lot of it, like a lot of it with the defense as well as uh, the heavy, the heavy um, three point um, kind of swing that we've had where, you know, a lot of people focus on shooting more than necessarily just driving, putting it inside. Because I think like, if you put uh, like Jordan's Jordan's teams of the past against like the, uh, the teams that, uh, LeBron has to go against. I think that, you know, defensively, I think they match up oh, decently with them, but I just don't know if offensively if they could be able to score as many points as they needed. I mean, if you look at it in the, in this, uh, like the Lakers scored 138 points in the first, in the first series against, uh, the, the, the Blazers, like 138 points. I, I I'd have to look, but I was like, I, I, I don't think the Bulls. I, I don't think the, the the Bulls necessarily got that high. Granted, they were. I think they both, like you said, are outright. The, they're the goat of their era. Like you have that era, it, they're the goat. And if you go before Jordan, it was Bill Russell and and like Wilt Chamberlain. Those were the two that were fighting for it. And I, I and like I don't know. It's just really tough. I think I think it's obviously it's got it. I think if I had to pick a goat. I think that if he if he can win one more, I think I would pass the torch. But obviously, me being a fan, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jordan. I think the reason I think he has to match Jordan is because for all of the the stats people, like strictly stats, you know, on paper, Jordan has six rings, LeBron has four. Like for just for those, just to make this easy and straight he's yeah. got a, he's got a, he's got a match on paper and then he will for 100 pass jordan if he so gets so the reason why i say that it's five and i think he needs to win this next next one that he makes the reason why i say it's five is because i think if you look on paper if you would have put I'm, I'm i'm gonna make you think back a little bit if you put michael jordan in his prime or not even in his prime, like his, like the first run that they made, not necessarily whenever they got hot uh, when he came back, but like, I would say like the first, the first three Pete, if you put okay. that, that Michael Jordan on that Cleveland team that a very young LeBron James took to the NBA finals where he lost. If you take, you take him with, with uh, Daniel Gibson and uh, big Z, like if you take that team, do you think that Jordan could win with that team. Do you think that he would have like that that they could not have against beat the not team? against that San Antonio, not yeah. against the Spurs. That and year. I think that just because of the, the matchup that he had that year, I think that that's it's not necessarily an asterisk, but I think that just the amount of like people who were shocked that they even made it that far. I, I mean, think that they weren't supposed to beat Detroit that year, and LeBron <laughs> carried that team through Detroit and. I think based on that Detroit performance, he should be still single-handedly. Yeah, and that's but why the- I, that's why uh, you know with with the question, that's why I'm like I, that one. I think kind of has like an asterisk by it and doesn't necessarily count as a loss per se. Like, yeah, obviously he's zero for one, but he shouldn't have been there. Like, no, he shouldn't he- have been there. Like any other person on that team, like they wouldn't have made I, the playoffs. I, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, with that being said, I think we we're both kind of in agreement. They're both the goat of their era. I think that you can't necessarily choose one unless you're choosing based on stats or you know effect of of your team. So 
Because I mean, if you if you talk about the effect of your team, I think if you take Jordan off those Bulls teams, they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty bad. But I mean, if you look at how far the Cleveland team after he left fell, um, they were just I mean, they're bottom of the the league for a long time until Kyrie kind of brought him back, and then he went back and joined Kyrie, and then they proved uh, that they could beat one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Mm-hmm. And I and the one argument I hate about this is, oh, Jordan's the goat because he made basketball. Oh, so you mean he was just the first person where endorsements became a thing? <laughs> I mean, because yeah. he was good. So, so what you're saying is because someone took interest to make money off of him, that makes him the best. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, I mean, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, the the battles that they had in college and in 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 uh, the NBA with the dynasties of the Celtics and the Lakers. I mean, I, that is the basketball that like when I can go watch back and watch highlights of that, that's the kind of basketball that I like to watch. Um, That was honestly the basketball that kind of took off. And I think that's where most of the popularity, obviously it kind of got a resurgence whenever Jordan came in and, you know, but I don't think I wouldn't say that necessarily that he made it, but yes, with the endorsements and everything, and you know the Jordan brand, obviously, it's a little bit weighted, but it, it's, and it's just because LeBron gets so much crap, but it's it it's just different times. Um, that's all. That's really all I can say about this argument. I mean, yeah, I mean overall, I think we're all in agreements. Um, I think with this victory, though, I think ever, anybody who ever talked about Kobe being number two i think that you've you you need to i mean he's definitely cemented himself above kobe in my opinion just because he's won it with three teams and some of those times that kobe won he was carried by Shaq. um and so i think that that like the people who like to argue that kobe deserves to be in that category um i think that they kind of be considered you i mean i still don't get me wrong he's still an amazing player he's top 10 for sure i agree um and but I just think that uh, I think with this championship, I mean, the performance he had, it wasn't like he was in, in no cakewalk. He wasn't getting carried. I mean, he led his team in scoring. He got the MVP for a reason. So he just happened to be uh, essentially AD is his Pippen. If we're really, if we are really going to compare these teams to like, because I mean, because if you, if you look around him, there was not necessarily a third superstar on this team. I mean, you have, uh kyle kuzma you have uh, alex you have rondo Caruso, rondo rondo who i mean if you think about rondo i mean that's the i mean you could draw the comparison to like i mean ron harper i mean you got and then you have like a danny green who comes in and is kind of like your cur i mean i mean there's a lot of comparisons to like the old bulls teams in this team because i do think that you know with this team per se if they do end up winning another one I think that that comparison right there of AD to Pippen is very, I mean, they both rebound the ball. They played outstanding defense. I mean, very similar. I 100% agree. Um, I mean, we could debate, we could literally debate this for hours on end. So yeah. we're just, well, I'd just say we cut this one off. Um, now there are a couple of things. So what do you say? We talk about some NHL stuff. Have you seen some of these free agencies? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, kind of, a. I want to start at the top with one of the biggest shockers in my opinion. Um, Taylor Hall signing a one-year deal 
with Buffalo. And Buffalo was just a dumpster fire last year. And I think that they made a huge splash with a couple of signings. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how, how that um, transpires. But what was one that necessarily caught your eyes? Tory Krug coming to the Blues. I, because that solidified that Petrangelo was gone. And I think it was, it was a tough pill to swallow when you first heard that he signed. But it was also kind of like, a, not a relief, but kind of like, okay, I think we got we got the best of Petrangelo, and I think he has a chance. I don't think he, I think he uh, peaked for us at least. I think he had, it, with Vegas, he might have a chance to play better hockey. I, it it kind of worked out for both teams, in my opinion. I think we got a we got a good fresh, good def, good defenseman, and we got to let Petrangelo go off and do his thing. And it seems like Blues players who go to Vegas play well. So hats off to him. Yeah, and a couple of other big names that we'll just briefly touch on um, will be a yacht uh, T.J. Brody ending up with the Maple Leafs as the Maple Leafs continue to stack their roster. Um, in goalie news, um, you have kind of some surprises, in my opinion. Um, Corey Crawford gets let go and um, joins up with the Devils on a uh, two-year deal. Um, you also have um, Braden Holpe uh, signed with the Canucks. Yes, yes, Braden Holpe with the Canucks. Um, a few more defender uh, defensemen there got some deals. Um, they took advantage of the market. Uh, Shattenkirk, um, Kevin Shattenkirk, fresh off of his uh, Stanley Cup victory. Um, he's now with the Ducks. We'll get to um, see him of, more. We'll get to see him more often this year. That'll mm-hmm. be kind of interesting. Um, and then as well, uh, one other one other goaltender that I want to talk just briefly mention was uh, Hendrik Lundqvist is now a yep. Capital uh, with the with Holtby leaving. Obviously, that left a spot on the uh, roster for him. I think um, it's a good move on his end. Yeah, I think it is too. Um. I, I think that it's kind of crazy that uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so many names here. I mean, we could talk about this all, all evening. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously Petrangelo's the the big one with the seven year deal. So, um, I mean, we we literally could talk about this whole list. I mean, Wayne Simmons <laughs> is is now a Maple Leaf. Um, I mean, the Maple Leafs are. I mean, if they don't win soon i don't know their roster is they're wild their roster stacked but they just can't get it done yeah i mean blue jackets bolstering their lineup they got uh the veteran uh, miko koivu the old uh minnesota wild captain so it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out obviously let the uh let the lightning fans enjoy their uh their cup and uh we'll see how we'll, it plays we'll out get, I mean. we'll get we'll get into uh we'll get into the hockey whenever it gets a little bit closer to the season. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a fun season to watch this year. And I think with everything going the way it's going, uh, we will see hockey soon, but it's, I'm interested to see how they play the, play this upcoming full season um, with, with environmental circumstances going Mm -hmm. on. I'm very anxious and hopefully we can get some fans to get in and watch some of these blues games though i'm yeah that's uh, i i can't wait just to see how that all those main sports deal with the uh 
changing of, of, of everything. So with that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, we've kind of hit most of the topics. We're coming up on the two hour mark. So yeah, we, had a lot being, to, we with, did have a lot to cover. Yeah. With the holiday yesterday and being able to talk about Monday stuff. So um, looking forward to some baseball tonight, as well as uh, Tuesday night football. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys uh, tomorrow with uh, the results. Let's, let's go Tampa, you know, keep that hot streak going. Everybody take it easy. Have a good day. Enjoy this weather. Bill's Mafia. Peace. Say up.